right, praise the Lord, Church of Omaha. I'd say gather into your seats, but it looks like everyone is all ready to go. I'd like to turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6. While you're turning there, and you can just be seated, may remain seated. Um, I do, uh, um, we had prayed earlier this week for Sister Jackie, Sister Jackie Ferris, and I don't know if we'll see her today or not, but uh, I just want to highlight she is out of the hospital. I want to thank you for your prayers and continue to pray. Um, God's doing a work there. Um, I believe Mario and Priscilla's son is also out of the hospital, and God is doing a work there. And so um, just keep on praying, keep on believing, keep on coming to our God. We have hope. We have hope. Um, John chapter 6, I'll go ahead and uh, we'll open up here with uh, verse 12, and it says, And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Lord Jesus, I ask you to talk to us today. Lord, let your word unfold before us. May we eat, Lord, from, from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Brother Joey spoke out of this passage uh, um, on Wednesday night, and I was pretty excited as, a, um, as he began to, to go through it, and, uh, and I was, had to track him down and say, man, I, I was already studying this passage, and so I don't want you to think that I'm stealing from you here, Joey, but, uh, um, but God is good. God's good. So I just want to take a little moment here. We're going to begin at verse 1 and look at the setting and and go through um, several of these verses and just see what is all going on here. I get so much out of just seeing the stories unfold. And, um, but Jesus here, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which was the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Which he did on them that were diseased. Now, later on, we're going to fa- find that Jesus... Um, he goes back across the sea, and they follow him again. And when they follow him, he says, you're, you're following me not because of, of me healing you or my miracles, but because I gave you bread. And I, I find this, this interesting, uh, because frankly, today, um, I would be the opposite direction in that I would have still been like, man, well, we got food today, but boy, I... I need another healing, Jesus. I need another healing. And uh, During this time period, though, food was hard to come by. And we've talked about that here before. And, but a person could spend 70%, 80% of their, their efforts to try to get some food. To try to get some food. And, um, but initially, the people, when they were following Jesus, they were attracted because they were going through ailments and struggles and sicknesses and and they needed him, and so they, they would hear about it. And, you know, if your mom had been struggling, or your wife had been struggling, or your children were sick, and, and you've been going through a lot of hurt and pain, and maybe years of ailments, and somebody said, wait a second, there is a miracle happening over there. No, for real. People are getting healed. I mean, that would start to catch your attention. And maybe you would doubt it for a little while, but then you'd, somebody else would come home and, and, and their life would be different. And then you'd see Charlie down the street and you'd say, wait a second, what happened to Charlie? And, and um, maybe you were one of those that had heard about the blind man and you're like, wait, wait, what 
he, he can see what, what's going on. And oh, His mom got healed. Or, uh, pretty soon the news gets to spreading. And you show up to a village, and the villages begin to turn out. And they begin to crowd around him. Why? Because they have expectation. And they have hope. In our society today, we live in North America, intellectual, right? And I'm an engineer, and so I'm around a lot of people who logic is everything. And, and uh, one, one time I had a guy say to me, man, I don't know how, as an engineer, that you believe in Jesus. And I'm like, wait a second. How, as an engineer, do I not believe in Jesus? I see order and design and everything. And, and so if I see that everything we made is designed, then clearly all of this was designed. God put this together. Um, but when you see that, you know, there's a lot of skepticism in North America. There's a lot of, is there really healing out there? Oh, come on. The, the things that you can't explain, there's skepticism to. But a testimony is really hard to deny. And people will come and they'll say, hey, all I know is I saw this. Or all I know is I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, you got to reach back and latch into your testimony. Because there's an enemy of your soul that would like to bombard your mind. And he would like to begin to let time go by and say, okay, wait a second here. Did that really happen that way? Can we explain that away? Or, you know, life is pretty miserable now. And, and a couple things happened. You know, the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And we'll mention them here again in a minute. But anyway, God fed them bread from heaven. That's bizarre, right? First off, most of you probably aren't going to pick your food up off the ground. Normally, you do the five-second rule, and then you're hauling it to the trash. But, uh, you know, they, God calls them out, and, and, and he has them out there, and bread falls down from heaven every day. And their shoes don't wear out, and their clothes don't wear out, and everything's taken care of. There's a rock, and the water flows out of the rock, and it's enough to give water to a million people. And this is just fantastic. And then we get to living in the miracle. We get to living with the bread, and... And you get to go into church for a really long time, and God healed you this time, and God provided for your bill this time, and, and He took care of this over here, and He put your marriage back together, and, and, and now life is tough, and it's rough, and, and you begin to become desensitized to the miracle. This is the children of Israel. God put stories in the Bible narrative. He didn't tell you, did I really feed them from heaven? He just says, I fed them from heaven. Bread came down, and you're like, did that really happen that way? I've, I've told you recently that the, um, the apostles, they didn't debate with you whether Jesus rose again. They're like, we saw him. Paul said upwards of the 500 saw him. It's, it's your witness and your testimony that, that give you standing when you can't explain what happened, but you can say it happened. But, but sometimes you get used to what happened. You get used to what God did in your life and, and you forget to be amazed in, in, in uh, um, astonishment or, uh, um, oh, there's a word that I want, but you're, you're in awe of what God has done in your life. You're used to it. So maybe Jeremy and I, we refer to our children here and there, not to pick on them, but because they, they, they're so relatable to life. My kids do not wonder when they walk into the pantry, 
that there's Pop-Tarts there. Instead, they go, there's no Pop-Tarts? <laughs> like, why haven't you continued to keep that outlet from Walmart to the house? It should just always be running. And, and when there's not food in there, they come out and they go, we have no food. <laughs> like, it should be here. They're not in amazement that parents somehow found a way to keep food on the shelf. They're not like, wow, those parents. They always have Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Isn't that amazing? No, they're like, where's the Cinnamon Toast Crunch? That's the cereal I like. And I don't want to make kids sound terrible, but you've been there, right? They love the home, and they're used to it, and they have each other, and so then we have fights. Well, we don't really have fights, not like that. But the kids will fight with one another and they forget the blessing of having each other. It's you're used to it. And then the enemy gets in. He begins to get you to doubting, to questioning, to turning, to fussing and fighting. And, and, and you're here in the church and God's done so much for you and all you have in life and your purpose to live is all right here. He's done so much for you. And, and then you're like, you get to turning away from it. You know, why do I have to do this? Or why do I need to live this way? Or is, is, why didn't God take care of this? Or why didn't God take care of that? You be used to the manna or used to the miracle. But these people, they had learned what it was like to live in pain, to struggle for food, to struggle for their health. And when they encountered Jesus, it was miraculous. And I think we need to go back to remembering the miraculousness of God and being enthralled and being in awe of and, and how, how special it is to live under His protection and His umbrella. And so Jesus here, He, he goes up into a mountain and all these things are reminiscent of Moses and in the wilderness. And Moses goes up on the mountain for the Ten Commandments. And Jesus goes up into the mountain. And, and it's about the time of the Passover here. And... and Jesus pulls people together. Jesus took a trip across the sea just for this meal. He's, he's over here, and, and so he, he works the miracles, and then he goes across, he's healing people, and then he goes across the sea, and people are there, and he's up here, and it doesn't even tell us in John what all he would talk about. It just says, when he lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that we may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. John gives us a, 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 an opening or a way he describes these stories as if he takes away the miraculous for us. Yeah, we know it's a miracle, but we're not amazed anymore. It's a, he says, oh, well, Brother Matthew's like, so Jesus knew what he was going to do here. So you're now sitting there as the reader and you're like, oh yeah, Jesus is getting ready to do a miracle. We're right here and they don't know anything about it. And so Jesus looks around and he's like, so where, where are we going to get bread? How, how are we going to do this? Just a couple chapters before he met a lady at the well, he sent the disciples into town to buy bread. They come back and they're like, man, we got food, Jesus. You asked us to get food. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I got food that you don't know about. I'm, I'm good. I don't need to eat. What? You... Somebody already fed him? Where did he get this food? And, and, and uh, uh, he had told the lady, you know, you'd come to me for a drink. You know, you'd get living water from me. So he's got source of food and bread. And, and now he's asking them, where are we going to get 
bread. And you as the reader here, the, the Word of God, you, you already know God's going to do something. You know, in our situations in life, and your struggles, Brother Manny, you might be going through something. And you're in the situation. You're one of the disciples. You don't have the food already. You, you, don't, you don't have the healing yet. Oh, but if somehow we could get up there with Jesus, and we could set up there with Him, and, and, and He's like, we could already know what's going to happen. Oh, if they haven't seen their anxiety taken away yet there. I can see as if, as if Philip was beside him. You know, now Philip would be in on the know. Like, what are we going to do here, Philip? But, but Oh, I know, Jesus, you're going to do a work. You've already got it planned. You're getting ready to unfold something in their life. The, the bill is going to get paid. The, the miracle is going to happen. There will be food on the table. You're going to be with them in the storm. Sometimes when you're living in the story, you, you don't get to be like the reader over here and, and have insight ahead of time. But here he gives us this insight. That God is going to do a work. And I firmly believe today that in your life, I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus has you here. Jesus loves you. And He said He would never leave you nor forsake you. And so I don't know what you're going through, but God has a work in your life. So don't walk out on Him. But wait for the miracle. See what God will do. See how He'll take your situation. See what He's going to teach you out of it. Look for how He's going to provide for you. But don't give up and don't walk out. God is not limited. His abilities, He hasn't, he hasn't become shallow and say, no, nah, I'm not going to take care of those people anymore. But He's just getting ready to do something. So be surprised. Be in awe. Because He knew what He would do. So... Philip, Philip says, man, there's, you know what? We could work six months, 200 penny worth of bread. We could, we could labor six months and we wouldn't be able to feed this people. There's 5,000 men. There's some women and children out there. We, we couldn't do that, Jesus. Like, how are we going to do this, Jesus? Yet they've seen him heal. They've seen him work, Brother Danny. They've seen all these things. And yet, how, how are we going to do this? And Philip, I, I somehow think he must have known. Because then he says, there's a, there's a lad over here. There's a boy, somebody in the crowd. He has five barley loaves and two small fish. He, is, he just got some fish here. A couple pieces of fish, five barley loaves. Bar barley loaves, this is poor man's food. It, uh, I said that phrase at home the other day. I told Liam you can make a poor man's brisket if you smoked a, a roast. And it better be a cheap roast because all meat has gone up in price the last few years. Um, but sometimes we'll talk about poor man's steak. Or somebody will want to sell you a hamburger and they'll call it a, a, a steak, right? And you're like, yeah, that's not exactly what I was looking for. And they're like, oh, it's a special cut of meat. But then we ground it up. You're like, well, if it was so good, why'd you have to grind it up? And, um, but poor man's food or... Uh, and, and so you get these delicacies and people will say, well, you know, I can make that out of this and I know it's not as, not as good, but we can make it work. Well, we got poor man's bread here. And Jesus takes these barley loaves and, 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 they, and Philip's like, well, this, this is what we got. We got poor man's food. We're in a desert place. 
we have a lot of people, we have a big problem, and we don't really have any good stuff here. And Jesus says, make the men set down. And then it says, now there was much grass in the place. Oh, this is, this is beautiful to me. Because what Jesus does here for the people is he reaches back into two stories. He reaches back into the story in 2 Kings of Elijah. And Elijah had 100, pro, or 100 men that were with him. And they needed food. And somebody brought loaves of bread. And they brought the loaves of bread to him. And, and, and Elisha's there. And he, they brought, I think, 12, it was 12 loaves of bread. I'll flip over to that passage. Or 20 loaves of barley. 20 loaves of barley, not 12. 20 loaves of barley. And some full ears of corn in the husk. John, or 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42 through 44. Um, and so he brings, they bring this to him. And Elijah says, make the men sit down. And they're like, there's just 100 people here. And they begin to break up these, these loaves of bread and to pass them out. And everyone was filled. Oh, but this doesn't just take you back to that. It takes you back to Moses. And we talked about manna from heaven and, and how the children of Israel and, and how bread would come down from heaven. And every day you were supposed to go out. And in that story, you were to gather up just enough for yourself for the day. And if you gathered up too much, people would know because there would be worms that would grow in your food and it would stink. And then they're like, what were you doing? Could you not obey the word? You just needed to take just enough. But Jesus here says, Make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they found. And when they were filled... <clears throat> Jesus reaches back and these people are sitting there and they're seeing these stories. And there's one thing they begin to recognize right away as that bread begin to be broken and to be passed out. They say, this is God. This, they, didn't, they didn't know who Jesus was. They recognize him as God in that moment. But there's a God moment occurring here. And he must be a prophet. He's got to be like Elijah. He's got to be like Moses. This is, this is, this is that story. This, we're going to get food from heaven again. And, and he begins to break it. But there's a couple things there. One, we see that they were filled. Oh, that's a little bit different. I know they, were, they got the food they needed under Moses, but, but Sister Nancy, it was, it was, oh, did you need any more? You can see it out there as much as they wanted. Do you want some fish? We got, it wasn't that we have two fish anymore. It's, oh, would you like more fish? You, you didn't have to say, well, we have five loaves of bread and two fish, so we're going to break it up even. We're going to give you all just a little bit, and everyone gets just a tiny portion of meat, Brother Con. That's, that's how it was for me growing up. You know, I'd be like, so how much of that bacon do I get when we have BLTs? And everybody else eats it on like two sandwiches, and I'm like, can I stretch it into like six? Is that my portion? You know, I'm a bigger eater than you guys, so shouldn't I get like two more pieces of bacon? Well, we only have this package, right? And, uh, um, or you'd have like roast or something, and I would look over there as a teenage boy, and I'm like, man, whew, could they all like eat something else today? I, I would just like to have all the roast and all the potatoes. And, um, I'm a big eater. I got a fast metabolism. And 
But no, everything you wanted, if you wanted another piece of fish, it was yours. And, and you could be filled. And, and it wasn't that you had to feel like you were being greedy. Did I take too much manna into the tent? But if you were sitting there and, and your son looked at you and said, Oh, Dad, is there some more food? Oh, there's plenty of more food. He didn't have to say, Don't be greedy. Oh, it was a smorgasbord if you liked it. And you said, But poor man's food. This is Jesus. We, we're in the desert. And yet it tells us there's grass. We have barley, poor man's bread. And it says they're filled. Jesus took this situation and that make the men sit down. If you look at it, it's met, the word is to recline. He transports the people from being in this desert place as if they're now in a dining hall and they have couches and they have the best food ever. Oh, it's not just barley anymore. This is bread that fills you. And this is as much meat as you would like to eat. And, and, and they're eating and they're feasting and, and they're completely filled. I think we just need to set on that a moment because that's what God does in our lives. We come from poverty. We come from broken places. And, and, and we come from having nothing. And yet God gives us joy unspeakable. He gives us excitement. He gives us a reason to live. And, and He takes our, our meager things. And people look at you and they'll say, well, you don't really have much of anything. Well, your, your house, it, it doesn't look like much. Or, or how, how are you so happy in your, your situation? How, how do you seem to, to always be up? And you're like, I'm always up. We had a whole list of problems this last week. But God steps into our moments. And He takes our, our, our little things that we have. He takes a lad's lunch. And He turns it into a feast for 5,000 plus women and children. He, he takes something you would say, well, who would buy that? Let's, let's get the better food. And he makes it into something that fills them. He takes a desert place and he turns it into a banquet hall as if they were rich and wealthy. That's the things that our God does. And hear me, there's billions of nares out there and millionaires that are committing suicide. But we have Jesus Christ. Oh, let's give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the people that day, they would have loved to have had this every day. They'd have loved to hear from Him to be fed every day. Daily need. You know, I... You get it. I think we get this in the miracle sense. We're going to, in a little bit here, open up second half, and we're going to invite you, anybody that wants prayer, to come on up right at the start. And if you would like prayer, we would love to pray with you. And some of you are going to make your way up here, and maybe two weeks ago, you had something else. And that problem got taken care of. That headache's gone, that sickness is gone, whatever it was. But now you got something new. And that thing's bothering you, and, and, and you're going to maybe wrestle in your mind, should I get prayer, should I not get prayer? But then you're like, you know what? God's a healer, and so we're just going to go see, does God want to heal me? Will He heal me today because I'm bringing Him my problem? Maybe five years ago you went through something, but now you're in church today, and that problem's been taken care of, and now you're here and you're like, you know what? I need God's help again. 
But the God that takes care of your body and, and heals your sicknesses is the same God that is your daily provision. He's your daily bread. He's your living water. You know when he told the lady at the well that, about living water? Or, and she's like, where, where do I get this water? Living water is like a river. It's flowing water. It's kind of like the faucet in your house. And what he's telling her is you, you can have this constant flow and you don't have to go off and put a, a bucket down into some stagnant water or, or, or get down into this well down here. But I can give you this pure good water and this, this flowing water, this living water, and you'll never have to thirst again. Anytime you need it, you just dip back in. That's the Spirit of God in your life. And He's not just the living water here, but He's going to tell us that He's the bread from heaven. And, and that's God in your life. He's, he's every time you need Him. And some of you have, you have God with you always, but you've stopped eating the bread and you've stopped drinking the water and you wonder why you're struggling and you just need to get back to Him. Sometimes you look at what He wants from you and you think, well, that's kind of like barley loaves. That's, really, that... That's not the best way to do it. I would rather live life this way. But trust me, when you eat and feast from the king's table, you're going to discover that you're filled and everything that you need and desired and true joy is in Him. Some of you have been looking for peace. You will not be complete without Him. Oh, you say, but I have to do it that way? He's saying you get to because my way of living, hear me brother, hear me sister, it, it doesn't leave you with a hangover when you wake up in the morning. It doesn't leave you feeling guilty and depressed about why did I make that decision. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't put you on. It puts marriages together. It puts families together. It, it lets you rest with your head on a pillow at night. You don't know what tomorrow is going to be like, but you're like, I know He holds tomorrow. He holds tomorrow. So, He broke the pieces. And then we opened up, it says in verse 12, it says, When they were filled, He said unto His disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Right in this verse, I see a transition in Jesus' teaching. This gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. It, uh, one version I read said gather up the broken pieces. That's fragments. That nothing be lost. When you read this, there's, it says there's 12 baskets that are gathered up. I almost brought our big wick, wicker basket in. Set it up over here for you. 12 of them. Now I don't know about you. A lot of times, even here, even though we're in on the miracle even though he told us ahead of time that Jesus knew what he was going to do and he was testing him, and we were like, okay, God's going to do a miracle here. Still, when I see 12 baskets, I'm like, whoa. Man, he fed all those people and 12 baskets. But Jesus doesn't seem to be so much focused on the fact that the bread multiplied. But we see that they're filled. And 12 baskets full, what do we see out of him? He's saying to his disciples, Jesus who... who didn't need bread when they went into the marketplace to get it while he was at the well, is saying very strictly, gather up the fragments. Get all the broken pieces. We can't lose anything. 
Instead of it looking like his sustenance or his, his bread that he's given to fulfill what you need, I now see that bread as I read this. Oh, as, as me and as you. And, and if we flip down here, we'll see in verse 39, Jesus says, And this is the Father's will which he hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at, that last, or at the last day. What is he telling him here? He's saying, hey, you know what? We got to get every piece. We got to get every crumb. Everything out here. Disciples, I want you to go around. They, you know, they were spread out over there. And yet he's like, you got to gather the pieces. Every broken piece, we need to get it. We need to pick it up. It's got to go into the basket. I don't know where those baskets went. I don't know what happened to them after this. But I do see that Jesus was concerned about the fragments. He's concerned about the fragments. Just a couple chapters before, right after the lady at the well, John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white and all ready to harvest. Jesus was already seeing the need and the situation, and He was seeing the people. And He's now trying to tell us, see the field, see the people, see the situation, see the brokenness. And I just want to tell somebody today that God takes broken things. And not only that, this is not pro bono work. This is not him just being nice and saying, you know what, I think, I think we can take in another broken fragment. I think we can do that. Brother Keith, he's not saying that. He tells us two things here. His mission. To fulfill his mission. For Jesus to not fail. Nothing could be lost. His mission, everything that was given to him, he needed to keep it, to preserve it, to go after it. I'm not saying that he's taken away your choice. If you don't want to live for God, you can walk out. But God is not walking out on you just because you've been broken. Just because you feel like you're only a piece in the puzzle. The puzzle's not complete until you're put in your place. And God is telling the disciples, every last bit on this field matters. Everything out there. I don't know what it, what it all looks like. and It doesn't look like a complete loaf of bread. And, and everyone else passed it over. They got filled up. But I noticed it out there. And I've sent you out there, disciples. And I want you to gather. And I want you to pick. And so I got two things here for you. One is, don't overlook somebody out there. Don't overlook your, your family member, your sister, your brother, your, your son, your daughter, your, your mom, your dad. Don't overlook your coworker. Don't look past them. Man, they're a little weird. They're a little crazy. I don't care. Jesus said, get the fragments. Go pick them up. Oh, gather up every last bit. Don't let anything be lost. 
oh, this is the one that said the sheep are taken care of. But there's one that's lost, and I got to go find him. I got to go dig him out. Gather up the broken pieces. I heard about a message one time. I didn't actually hear the message. But I went and I researched it a little bit. I was telling Pastor Trevor about it. And it's about orchestras of broken instruments. And what they do is they take an instrument that maybe got damaged in some sort of way. And it cannot be repaired back to its original condition. Maybe it has a hole or a flaw or a dent or, or, or a piece that's broken off. But yet, if you picked up that trumpet or that trombone or, or that stringed instrument and you played it, it'll make a sound. And that sound is now different than any other instrument out there. It's unique to it. And so they put orchestras together of broken instruments. Instruments that, that can never be restored to their original condition. And you know that's what God, sometimes we expect God to get us back to just like new. But I'm telling you that when Jacob wrestled uh, uh, with God that day, and God struck him on his thigh... When he walked out onto the, uh, to look over the valley or to look, look over the view after that, he walked with a limp. He was changed for the rest of his life. There, something had happened to him and, and he was no longer the same. He wasn't getting restored back to Jacob without a limp. But he was restored or he was given a new place in God where God had changed his life. It changed him. And your situations that you go through, they leave marks on you. They touch you in different ways. God is a healer that will allow you to not have to relive that pain every single day. He will take you through healing over it. But it doesn't mean you're the same person that you were before. Instead, you've had the marks of the problem. And then you've come through it. And you can be like Joseph down in Egypt that he's made you forget your past. You don't have that pain anymore. But instead you're a beautiful thing that has gone through brokenness. You've gone through struggle and situation. Yet yet Peter, I often refer to him, the disciples, they refer to him quite heavy. He cursed Jesus, right? And you say, did Jesus restore him to before? Peter knew what he did, but he no longer had the guilt and shame. And then Jesus filled him with his spirit. And he called him away from fishing into a new mission. And he understood the grace of God. Paul, the saying, was struck down and hit with blindness for, for three days. And yet God touched him. And when he came out of that, he didn't go back to the same old way of living He was changed. And he went through beatings and strife and and through a variety of brokenness. But he was like, I understand the grace of God. His mercy. And when God reaches into your life, sometimes you'll walk with a limp. Sometimes you'll come out of it. Maybe everything isn't, you're like, well, why I don't have that anymore. Maybe you don't have the same finances that you had before. But you're going to find that he takes broken things and he has purpose and he wants to rescue them. He wants to save them.
think we can hit on just a little bit more here. We got just a couple minutes. But Jesus, he goes back across the shore and, and he walks across on the water. And he, they come to the other side, the disciples are about, we could talk all about that story. We're going to go past it here. But the crowds, they wondered where he was. And they came over and found him on the other side. I like that. Why? They could have been making their way to Jerusalem right at that moment for the Passover. But instead, they said, we found something. We found something. And maybe in the breaking of the bread, they were reminded of the fact that they would break bread for the Passover. But they found him. And Jesus told them in verse 47, they begin to struggle with some of his teachings. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Verse 51, he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. What we see here with all these people, we see people looking for miracles. We see people looking for bread. Jesus doesn't give them bread the next day. He doesn't give them bread the following day. He was saying, hey, we need to transition you. Because if you just have this bread every day, that really doesn't satisfy here. But if you'll have this bread every day, connection with the living word every day, and you'll have him in here, that's where you'll be satisfied. We need to get back to the bread. We need to get back to his word and to living he says, I'm that bread of life. You see, the broken pieces. Everybody that came for a healing was broken. And everybody that sat on that field that day in that green grass and reclined and ate was broken. Everyone that stopped their journey to the Passover, everyone that rushed back around the lake to find Jesus was broken. And Jesus didn't want to lose a single could we stand to our feet? Many of them, after he talked about him being the bread, and he says in verse 53, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of, of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. We understand that that's Jesus living in us, the Spirit being poured out. But people heard that and they were like, What's, what's this man saying? What is he talking about? And they found that living for Jesus was just too hard for them to, to get a hold of. I, that, was, that was a bridge too far. Some of these things. I don't know where you're at. But I want you to not walk out on God. I want you to understand He's your provider. And he will take what looks like an impoverished situation and he will make you complete and whole. But wherever you're at, he takes broken pieces. So if you could close your eyes, just tip your face towards heaven and begin to be just a little honest with yourself and maybe you want to lift your hands up and say, God, I'm broken. But God, I don't want to walk out on you. I found in you everything that I ever needed. I found in you, God, every, every thing I ever would desire. And I don't look like I, I thought perfection was supposed to be. 
But if you want me, Jesus, I want you. And all my broken pieces. Oh God, you said it was your mission not to lose any of it. And I'm here today. And I just, go ahead and take me, Jesus. And go ahead and take my sister. Go ahead and take my brother. Go ahead and take my neighbor. Oh God, you want broken pieces. I'm yours. Oh, if you take broken things, Jesus, I'm yours. Oh, hear me. He's saying don't let any fragments remain. Don't let any bits and pieces be lost. Oh, the fields are ripe and ready to harvest. Oh, I see people out there. And he's saying I want them. Bring them in. Won't you see them too? And that just doesn't include them. That includes you. Our God takes broken things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give him worship one more time. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I worship you. Oh, you're the God of restoration. You're the God of completion. You're the God of making new and taking broken things. Hallelujah. I'm back in here again. I'll worship in 10 minutes. I'll be here at 1120. And just come up and pour yourself out because God wants all of your broken things. God bless you.